Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. For the Great American Family Podcast, I'm Iron <laughs> Madison III. <laughs> okay, was that app just formed the other day? I'm Louis Fertel. We're talking about Candace Cameron Bure culture right now. It's a network. Um, yeah, it exists. And it exists. Here's what I have to say. I don't care if Candace Cameron wants gay people in her movies. And why do gay people care? What would we do in those movies? Tell me the characters we would play. I feel like we would, you know, know the bury your gaze motif? I feel like that would, you know, continue on on this network. The first um, Hallmark-esque slasher movie where it's, yeah, we'll put you in there. (laughs) (laughs) She Um, really is a particularly vile person, though. There's something about the way she talks where it's like, oh, like, like real, um, I don't want to say Stepford Wives, but like, just the blankness on her face as she's like, actually, gay people are bad. And when she had all that heat for JoJo Siwa. So, and if you're JoJo's enemy, come on. Right. No, she's she's somebody that my, my aunt would call Punkin. You can't be enemies with Punkin. There are three JoJo's that I protect with my life. Oh, let's hear them. Siwa. Yes. The JoJo. Uh, but on our podcast, Jojo. Manamas Jojo, yes. Yes, and Mojo Jojo. Oh, I was going to say, I couldn't think of the third one. Uh, I have a cousin, Josephine, who goes by Jojo, and it's always seemed like a cartoon character. I wish she would just go by Josephine. We don't have to tell her this. (laughs) She'll hear this. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm really putting it out there. I'm out in a limb. Uh, No, I'm putting this out there as my holiday keep it. Um... I just feel like, listen, if it were the 90s or something and, you know, a studio head was like, I don't want these faggots in my films, like, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Be angry. But it is 2022. There are so many fucking networks out there at this point. Who cares? Right. In a way, there should be a homophobic corner somewhere. I mean, that's representative to somebody. And also just the words like, what's the name of the channel again? Family? Great American Family, which is G-A-F, which is fag backwards. Which we love for them. Uh, (laughs) But Great American Family just has that creepy Family Research Council vibe. You know, that, that homophobic run thing by that guy, Tony Perkins, whose name is Tony Perkins, like the gay actor Tony Perkins. Mm, yeah, and it's, I don't know, the only people it would affect, I guess, is if you're growing up in a Christian household and your parents are keeping great American family on all day. But if that's the case, then I think you have other problems. Yeah, that's a brain dead family. Uh, yeah, you're living with Carrie's mom, okay? so <laughs> Who's still with us, Piper Laurie, I believe in her 90s now. Yeah. Um, anyway... 
that's how I feel about Candace Cameron Burr. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, wait, also one other thing. I made a tweet about her, and there are too many people who do not know that her brother is Kirk Cameron. What planet are we on? No one thing in this life. Of course they are related. They have <laughs> the same like, credo, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I feel like if you, unless you're specifically our age, after a certain point, they stop doing things together. Right. And also, I would, if you're younger than I am, I would actually be kind of surprised if you knew who Kirk Cameron was. Like, you basically would have to grow up in a fundamentalist household and watch those, like, horrible Left Behind movies he made or something. Because it's not like Growing Pains is on Peacock or whatever. Or if it is, I don't know why you'd watch it. Yeah. But I will say, he he's a great comedic actor. Kirk Cameron? In what? Candace? She's not. Oh, I'm no. just on Growing Pains. He, and, I thought he was great oh, on oh, Growing right, Pains. Right, right. Candace, however, was, I mean, no. No, ain't, ain't <laughs> nobody nominated for a damn thing on Full House. You're nominated <laughs> for Death Row, if anything. Yeah. You know the house was full of? Razzies. <laughs> <laughs> also, remember, again, and like you would say like the most dignified member was Lori Laughlin, and then, of course, what happened to her? Who's like the reigning, like, is Andrea Barber the, uh, uh, the the grand dame of Full House? Um, let's see. I mean, that's Kimmy Gibbler for all those. Yeah. You know, refer to her by her real name as you should. Well, we we lost Bob Saget, unfortunately. Oh, true, um, true. So he has an esteem and a uh, yeah. John Stamos, hot, but you know what? I am Team Rebecca Romaine. Yeah. Something about Jane, John Stamos to me, lightly dangerous energy. I don't know. Mm, um, like he juggled knives on set or something. No, it has like a kind of like, um, first of all, wants to be funny. And then secondly, like th- th- there's just like a, a, a try hardy kind of thing there that doesn't mesh well with the the hot, dignified thing we usually think of him as or that the mm. popular imagination about him. Well, Jody Sweeten did say that um, Great American Family sucks. Which for not like, including gays. Jody's so. re- recovered addict, which, mm. um, and seemingly rad person, seems extremely normal. Yeah, she like, she looks, she looks like pretty chill. And yeah. then of course we have um, the Olsons. And sometimes I think about them. Um, yeah. I, me- I was in the a production of The King and I in high school, and I remember I almost considered ditching the final rehearsal to go see New York Minute because we were actually really obsessed with that movie coming out at the time and now there's no cultural imprint. So instead, I went to rehearsal and saved my standing in Lamont High School Theater. And now I've not seen that movie and I don't know how Andy Richter was as a comedic sidekick. Here's what I want to say. Um, and this is this is going to be a bit controversial. Okay. You know what I think one of the most basic things is standing the Olsen twins. Right. What did they do? Like, and I get it. Like, at a certain point, they became very chic and fashionable in New York and represented, you know, like smoking cigarettes and Diet Coke culture. Right. But I think we've moved on past that. Right. Stop it. That to me is very of the, uh, Michael K. delisted era. That was that yeah. was a fun take in the year of our Lord two thousand and nine, and you know, great. But if she, you sit down next to me talking about some Olsen twins, I'm like, let me get up. 
<laughs> also, it's like now, now there's a third Olsen that we're more concerned with. So let's just yes, move the conversation Elizabeth over to Olsen, her. Olsen. Okay. Yeah. Lizzie the esteem Olsen. Olsen. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Putting Lizzie's back on the map. Right. Yeah. Not since Borden, uh, who that spoke to me. <laughs> I was going to say first the like, haircut, then you know the work. I was going to say like the Lizzie Bennett Diaries. Oh, that too. That too. I forget that we call her Lizzie sometimes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, oh, and of course Kaplan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And um, mm-hmm. that one Lizzie, um, the, who's always dizzy. You know, Miss Lizzie. Oh, right. Yes. And of course, Lizzie the Beanie Baby, <laughs> the blue speckled lizard thing. Uh, I don't remember much about Beanie Baby. Oh, my God. I'm from the southwest suburbs of Chicago. That's like, that, that's, well, me, that's my culture. That's me doing the Italian hands. A Beanie Baby. <laughs> yes. We had Beanie Babies in the house. And at some point, I did try to collect them from McDonald's. Uh, but it's like, I, ne- I don't know any of their names. No. Well, okay. Well, those are my friends. So watch your fucking mouth. All right. Well, we've got a great episode for you this week. It's a clip show. Oof. Which is so throwbacky. It's so, uh, uh, I don't know, the Cosby show or something. What kind of show? One day at a time. It feels like even 70s lore. Well, it feels like very us because we did a clip show in 2018. And we haven't done it since? Wow. We, really we haven't done it a lot since. Of content. All right. Well, we, know, we need a damn break. So get ready. Uh, listen, we're going to present our favorite keepits from this year, which include overlong superhero movies. Mm-hmm. You rarely get a short one of those. Yeah. Um, celebrity tweets. Rarely good. Um, some music that we couldn't escape. Watch me walk into a CVS and have to deal with whatever the fuck Doja Cat put out, even though I like Doja Cat. Bad example. Um, you should have said like a Halsey. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or some, yeah, someone who's just around like Steve Lacey or something. Anyway, um, our fate. One of our favorite celebrity rumors, and I think you all know what that one is. I'll let you discover that for yourself. And our farewell to Aida, her final keep it. Do you remember her? If I remember correctly, she was the world's youngest person. <laughs> and now she's wearing underwear in the Savage X Fenty show. And I'm like, I, I have to divert my eyes again. <laughs> again. I don't want to be paternalistic. That is my actual Rihanna. child, though. Yes. <laughs> Issa Rae and Rihanna both just want us to see Aida naked. No, it's, I think what probably happened is they wanted me in the Savage X Fenty show, but there's only one mm. crooked email. And Aida, of course, comes alphabetically first, so it went to her. Oh, yeah. You know, I think, well, I don't think you should be going after a woman, Lewis. Maybe it was Johnny Depp who took your spot. Um, <laughs> this happens a lot to me. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm desensitized to the whole thing. Anyway, um, that's our clip show. So enjoy it. But also, stay till the end, because we've got a lot more to say, and we've got ads to record, and those are always fun. (laughs) They should be good. Yeah. (laughs) And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It. Don't think I didn't hear. 
you showed me the other week being like, of course, Ira would love to go first on Keep It. I have gone <laughs> first maybe twice in the four years we've done this show. <laughs> How benevolent. Yes. Anyway, I'm going first. Uh, <laughs> my Keep It this week is hopefully momentary. But at, at mm. the moment, as of this taping, Keep It to the Gilded Age. Did you watch it yet? Oh, I haven't. I haven't. You know, okay. it's, it seems to me like... I mean, we've already seen Bridgerton, you know, and so I'm and I'm gonna watch it because because you know, it's HBO. But you know, I'm like, how many colorblind cast it shows set in like the past where women were wearing, you know, like these um little gowns, you know, and you know, like the poofy hair and walking around and gossiping about society? Am I expected to watch? Right, right, right. Well, okay. I came in super optimistic. I'm actually not a Downton Abbey stand, not because it's not good. I just never really got into it. I love Michelle Dockery. I love Maggie Smith, but I just didn't watch season after season of the show anyway. So Julian Fellows, the creator of that, created The Gilded Age, which takes place, you know, at end of the 19th century. And it is a who's who of of ba- of like Broadway actors and Tony winners, really. So you've got mm. uh, Cynthia Nixon who is, of course, on the other HBO show and just like that. Is she being fingered on this show? <laughs> you know what? There's still time. I wouldn't put it past the show. <laughs> You've got Christine Baranski, who I have famously said is like if a tall glass of white wine went to Juilliard. You've got Carrie Coon. You've got, and then in tons of guests, oh, Audra McDonald is on this show. Um, okay, actually, now you're just convincing me to watch it. I know, but that's what I'm saying. All of these people, are, and there's like Celia Keenan-Bolger, uh, uh, Deborah Monk eventually is on the show. So, like, the Broadway names keep lining up. I don't know why they became obsessed with having only Broadway people on the show, but that's the lane they've chosen. And to me, it is just flavorless. For some reason, it just feels like a mm. bunch of people reciting lines as opposed to uh, uh, really delivering, you know, s- sassy and damning line readings the way a Maggie Smith would, the way a Michelle Dockery would. And What's the plot? It is, uh, you know, the Gilded Age, and uh, you know, I mean, it's just of like, course, of yeah. course. <laughs> Jur- Jura- Jur- what what was the plot of Jurassic Park? Oh, you know, the the Jurassic era. <laughs> Truthfully, it was hard for me to pay a ton of attention because nobody was killing. Though I will say, Cynthia sort of recreating her Broadway role, her Tony winning Broadway role in the in the Little Foxes. Uh, if mm. you saw footage of that, so she's. Mm. Giving this kind of like upspeaky performance, mm-hmm. um, it's just not delivering. We right love now, Lillian Hellman. Oh, we yeah. love Lillian Hellman, dykes, and you know, um, plots to steal money from family members. Yes, <laughs> and also Lillian Hellman, famous according to Mary McCarthy, liar, which I love about her. Um, okay, yeah, <laughs> that's that's one of the most amazing feuds in history. Every, I think, the, I think the quote from Mary McCarthy is every word out of Lillian Hellman's mouth is a lie, including a and and the. Uh, <laughs> writers used to be angry. You have to understand this. Uh, but anyway, yeah, just underwhelmed me so far. I don't know. You have to see it and come back to me. We need a good writer feud again. You know, there was a brief kerfuffle online with the um the gay sincerity um article that Gawker um posted uh where it was, you know, sort of like dragging um 
Ocean Vaughn's um, book uh, and like other books of that ilk, just about, you know, like sad, weepy gays, you know, who like um, write poems about um, the cum dribbling on their uh, chest after <laughs> sex, you know, that kind of shit. Um, you know, I, but I, I, want, I want some real beefs, okay? You know what will have to suffice is that Taylor Swift clap back at Damon Albarn, the Blur singer who in an interview with the LA Times guessed basically that Taylor Swift either only co-writes her songs or doesn't write them at all. And she wrote back on Twitter, how dare you say this damaging thing about me? I write all of my songs. Now here's the thing. Uh, she's right to call, call them out if she writes all of her songs. I just want to say it is always unclear to me who actually writes pop songs, even when it says on the song who wrote the song. You know, mm-hmm. it, it just feels like that's always kept from us. Who did the writing? Who, the song transferred from one set of songwriters to another, mm-hmm. whatever. So I think Taylor Swift should simply be, I, I'm happy with her calling him out, but also please be sympathetic to the idea that I believe Wikipedia is constantly lying to us about who is writing songs. Thank you. Mm. Taylor Swift is weaponizing her fan base again. It must be Tuesday. <laughs> right. A day ending in day. The replies to any Taylor Swift clapback are truly, truly the gulag. <laughs> it's always, it's always like the same. It's always the same faggots, you know, being like, "Yes, queen, you served," or making like the worst joke you've ever seen, or like using like a gif or a meme of like a black woman that uh, whose name <laughs> they don't even know, never even watched the reality show that it's from, but they want to be sassy. It's like it's like the same fucking three gays constantly in her mentions and we know who they are i'm not going to mention them but you know who they are okay (laughs) one of them is that um gay who you know like whose face is always covered in glitter and you know writes like um healing posts about politics i just want to say i just want to say about healing posts they have not healed me one time guys i remain (laughs) lacerated you're not getting you're not (laughs) i need more balm sorry it's not working (laughs) your balloon writing it didn't save me i have to tell you that also, anyway. and here's the thing. I, I also want to uh, establish, again, she made a good point. But of course, of course, Taylor Swift had to say in the middle of the post, I was such a fan of yours before this. She can't just slam somebody. She has to be like, and by the way, I was an amazing person who loved you. She can't just be mean. Just be mean. Just do it. Right. Girl, you weren't listening to Blur. Uh, no, picture it. Can't, picture her listening to coffee and TV. You cannot. You cannot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift, you ain't listening to Gorillas. No, right. Uh, all not right, even that one the, song. Yeah. Welcome to the world of the plastic beach. Okay. Welcome to the world of the liar. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Welcome to the world of the plastic beach. There's something wrong with this beach. Okay. And it's you <laughs> on it telling lies because you are. Not, I I would love to know what Taylor Swift's favorite gorilla song is. Right. No. Where is TMZ getting in her face, being like, rank your favorite five favorite Blur albums? Go. I mean, I know that's like gatekeepery. Whatever. Do it. If anything, she should have dragged the fact that his quote made no fucking sense because, well, I mean, because one, she does have the album Speak Now where she wrote every song on it to know mm-hmm. to prove to the haters and the men that she can do that. Oh, uh, she addressed the haters? A- I can't believe it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but he was like. Oh, you know, like I prefer, you know, like a Billie Eilish. I love like what she does with her right. brother. And I'm like, so do you hate people who co-write or not, bitch? <laughs> right. You, true. You, you were like, I hate Taylor Swift and her co-writing. And then literally said your fave is Billie Eilish because she co-writes great songs with Phineas. What's not clicking? 
make it make sense. <laughs> okay, so they are white men stop amazing. talking. Yeah, <laughs> I want white men in the industry to stop talking because every time they talk, they give they give Taylor Swift like. One of those um, one-up mushrooms from Super Mario World. Wow, yeah, and she and she took some star shit. She was invincible during this run. Okay, and she is getting bigger and bigger, <laughs> and pretty soon it will be like Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. <laughs> and do Which, we want that? I would. I would watch a remake of that, honestly. But yeah, star Taylor Swift. Yeah, <laughs> I guess we did get that Anne Hathaway movie where she was a giant, whose name escapes me right now. Anyway, it was pretty good. It was a good movie. Yeah. It was about toxic masculinity. I'm sure right. Taylor Swift loves it. <laughs> she will claim to love it. Yes. <laughs> and how the way I was such a fan. <laughs> then you did that I one loved, song movie. Yeah. <laughs> I loved you when I loved you when the witches so much. <laughs> <laughs> that will be how she prefaces. Um, a feud with Anne Hathaway if Anne Hathaway ever says something mean about her. That would be a pretty anyway. good feud. Okay, Ira, what's your keep it? Uh, my keep it goes to the Batman. Oh, uh, which is a film. Yes. Yes. A forthcoming film starring, honestly, the people I um, think about when I fall asleep at night. Zoe Kravitz, <laughs> Robert Pattinson. <laughs> Iconic cast. Yeah. Iconic cast. Uh, and the poster that they just released like shows Robert Pattinson's like brief little brief bit of stubble. And it's, it turns me on so much. Oh, but wow. okay. you know what does not turn me on? The fact that this movie is reportedly going to be 167 minutes. Who the fuck is the director Cecil B. Fucking for? DeMille, bitch? What? <laughs> <laughs> Who is this for? I I am so sick of these over long superhero movies. It is it's I call it like the Nolan effect. It's like they're all like dreary and like end with like someone like giving a speech about how like the people of the world don't know what they're doing. They hate each other. They don't have love. They all deserve to die. It's some variation of that. I just had to sit through one of those fucking movies when I finally watched No Time to Die mm-hmm, on the plane. Right. On a on a plane. And I tell you, I it took me the entire um six hour plane ride to finish the movie because I kept falling asleep. Oh no. And I was I mean, like, is this over? And also, like, that that movie is kind of like what you're talking about, the superhero movies, where it's like, it's aping, every part of the movie is aping some other version of this we've seen before. Like, they don't take yeah. it literally any new direction. That said, I don't know what the Batman's going to be, but the promo photos, it's like, it's giving Nolan, you know? Yeah, the new Beverly, I was watching uh, Batman Returns. Oh, well, okay. Like, a screening of it. And I'm just like, I miss that era, even the Schumacher era, you know, where, like, a director had something to say. They had a visual style, you know? And every one of these films that DC sort of makes um, feels very, just just like Nolan-esque. And it's like, it's can we get a new fucking direction? They're Nolan-esque or they're like Zack Snyder-esque. And like, even, even Joss Whedon, when his Justice League movie came out, didn't feel like... Um, like bright and popcorny, you know, like the way his Avengers movie did. Like it felt like, like I guess he was finishing a movie that Snyder did, but like even that was like it's overwrought and annoying. Yeah. And since I brought up Joss Wheaton, oh, let's no, talk about profile. how he is over he is overwrought and annoying too. This profile that happened in Vulture, baby, 
How did he let this happen? Truly. How did he invite them into his house to interview him? It's the interview is psychotic. Well, first of all, it's the quotes in the interview are are they're so often so mean and so barbed. It feels like he was ambushed on the street by reporters. But no, this is a sit down. (laughs) Billy on the street. Yes. right. (laughs) Name a woman you haven't abused. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's that level. Well, yeah, what's that actor's name? Ray Fisher? Yes, saying that like uh, he's a bad actor in, in more um, than one way. Yeah. Yeah. In terms like, of what happened to him on set and in the movie. I mean, I've never heard a quote like that in my life. It's so mean. Also, I, I mean, I saw the Snyder Cut and Ray Fisher is good at it. So it's 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 sort of like it, it feels like this interview was maybe even done before the Snyder Cut came out. And like, because like to be able to say that after he was already trending on Twitter, um, after the Snyder Cut, people talking like Ray Fisher is actually really good. We're annoyed he was cut out of Joss Whedon's version. You know, it's 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 almost as wild as what he said about Gal Gadot when Gal Gadot said that he threatened her and threatened to ruin her career, and he said, "Well, you know." Maybe she just doesn't speak English that well. Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, I don't have anything to say to that. Other than, have we seen Gal Gadot in that Death on the Nile trailer? Because, woof, guys, Murder on the Orient Express still hurts. And I don't know what we're about to do with this film. And our girl Annette Bening is trapped on that boat. And I'm worried for her. (laughs) Do you know who we haven't seen in that trailer? Army Hammer, even though he is in this film. Oh, yeah. He's like the star of it, too. Yeah. Actually, that <laughs> boat has, everybody in that movie has been canceled. It's him, Russell Brandt. It's Letitia Wright. Oh, Letitia Wright. <laughs> <laughs> no one in this film can participate in a press junket. No, it's going to be Annette sitting there being like, whatever. I guess I'll talk about Warren or something. Yeah. Also, this is not the podcast to do it yet, but maybe Kenneth Branagh needs to stop. Well, apparently we're about to give him a Best Director nomination and perhaps win for Belfast, a movie I thought was cute. But by the way, let me say something about Belfast. It's like 90 minutes long. That's what Mm. I think people love. Mm. Okay, okay. You know, I like, I don't particularly want him to stop, stop, but Get Up Ronald makes a lot of wild movies. No, I'm sorry. That don't need to be made. (laughs) You can't possibly be talking about Cinderella, the most worthless fucking movie I've ever seen, even though Kate's good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's our bitchy show. Woof. Anyway, we can't end this with also mentioning the the most surreal part of the Wheaton profile. His current wife just continuing to bring like tea and chocolates like to the room during the interview was so weird. Is she a handmaiden? But no, it, it it seems like something Lucy does to be part of the 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 show. <laughs> uh, Lucy, you can't be part of my vulture profile. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh God, I missed this show. <laughs> well, here it all was. I know. I'm glad it's it's good to be back. Right. We we uh <laughs> we I think we hit every topic too, so there's none left. We'll have to wait till next week. And we are back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's keep it 
Damon, you're our guest of honor. So why don't you go first? Yeah. So, you know, as we know, you know, there is a book ban um, epidemic that is going across the country right now. School board members, parents, politicians are trying to ban anything that 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 tries to subvert or, or counter or contradict their own notions of white supremacy, you know. Um, and, it, and a lot of it's usual suspects. I mean, you have, you know, Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye, Alice Walker's um, The Color Purple, but also some contemporaries, too. Um, friends of mine, K.S.A. Layman's Heavy has been banned a lot. Um, Nicole Hannah-Jones' The 1619 Project is, you know, is is like, I feel like they all have that, her picture on like dartboards in her house right now. George Johnson, All Boys Are, I think it's All Boys Are Blue. Ijoma Alou's book, uh, Ibram Kendi. So you, you just go down the line, down the line. And at this point, there's going to be nothing left um, to read except for Tom Clancy and like the label on a bottle of Dr. Bronner's peppermint soap. Um, that's all that's <laughs> going to be left in schools. And so that's not even, but that's not even my gripe. That's not even my issue. My issue is that my book, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Blacker, came out three years ago. Okay, the first six pages alone, I talk about naked white people. I have multiple slurs. I talk shit about Tom Cruise. I talk about the, the, the link between masturbation and prayer. And yet my book still has not been banned. That fucking sucks. It's, I really have to say I'm with you on this one. Right. And, and so my, I, I have book banned FOMO. And my whole thing is like, what do I have to do? You know, is my book not radical enough? Is my book not black enough for these motherfuckers to to ban it? And and so going through this in my head, and this is a real thing too. Like I'm not joking. I want my book to be banned. Like you know, I have a couple of books that are in the works right now. And forget about pre orders. I want to. I want you, all, everyone listening, to sign a petition to pre ban my book. But um, <laughs> I, I feel like this is just more proof that these books aren't actually getting read. Right. Where They're not. These, the, yeah. The books that are banned, you know, it's like, OK, I saw I saw an excerpt or I heard a thing or this thing. I, someone read it. Someone else read it. And it made me feel a certain way. And so we must ban it from our district. We must ban it from these curriculums. We must go out and burn them. And again, I just it sucks that my book isn't one of those books being banned. But again, it just helps to expose the ridiculousness of this whole epidemic of banning and burning and trying to just, you know, keep America as white and as stupid as possible. No, that's the ticket for an author. You got to, you got to get the book banned. You got to get the book banned. That's the only reason we talk about Mark Twain anyway, because those books aren't good. Right. Mm. (laughs) Oh, hard take. Yeah, that's a take. (laughs) Okay. A Connecticut hot take in King hot, Arthur's court. My God. Train takes, okay. <laughs> the only racist twain I love is Shania. <laughs> anyway, Lewis, what is your keep it this week? My keep it is to a certain type of tweet, but one that has reared its head again this week in regards to the Oscars. It was written by David Sirota, Oscar-nominated co-writer of Don't Look Up, which won exactly zero Oscars, which some people enjoy. His tweet was, my thoughts on the Oscar slap incident are that it's 70 degrees in Antarctica and what's left of the livable ecosystem is being destroyed. And so we should focus on that. 
Are you literally saying don't react to a slap you just watched by surprise on television? Don't say one thing about it. Start thinking about Antarctica immediately. Let's think about how like human brains work. If you can be confronted with one thing and still have convictions about anything else existing in the world. This reminds me of what uh, when Michael Jackson died, somebody I knew from college said something like, I can't believe people are talking about Michael Jackson when instead they could be talking about, I don't know, whatever roar was going on there. It's like you do realize that by bringing up one topic, you are not negating the existence of another topic. Mm -hmm. It's just the shallowest condescension possible, which is to say. You have one concern, but there are other concerns, and therefore you're stupid. It's just like taking an easy chance to call people dumb, when instead, if you really care about Antarctica, you don't have to bring up the Oscar slap. You can just talk about it, and then maybe we'll retweet that, you know? So I, easy condescension in general is like a real pet peeve of mine, and especially from somebody who has probably jilted his nomination didn't turn into a win. Also... Did he go to the Oscars after party? Did he go to the Vanity Fair party? Because um, he really should have gone home to continue the work of, you know, <laughs> saving the polar ice caps. You know, you made right. your movie, which was to get the word out there. Now get back to work. Right. Get back to Antarctica, Ernest Shackleton, or whatever your effing journey is. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, just, Greta just, Thunberg was texting me about the slap. So shut up david right <laughs> she's like i think it was faked yeah yeah it's just people whose who, who's entire entire public existence is predicated on being deterred and punchable at all times it's like yeah we get it fucking neil degrasse tyson like okay there are more there are more important things to talk about nick you know nikolai fucking tesla but we all watch this thing and this is what we're talking about right now that again it doesn't doesn't mean that you can't have your fucking greenhouse effect ozone layer tweets off any other time you could get them off but right now we don't give a shit and ira what is your keep it my keep it goes to um mod apatow's dad um who is determined yes yeah who is determined to embarrass her on the internet forever during the show after the slap judd apatow saw black people being black and decided that once again he couldn't mind his own business and hopped on the internet to tweet he could have killed him that's pure out of control rage and violence they've heard a million jokes about them in the last three decades they are not freshmen in the world of hollywood and comedy he lost his mind First of all, your your first of all your reading of it and the text itself was giving eighties thriller movie trailer. <laughs> lots of gravitas. You you yeah. yeah, lots of gravitas right there. Just just had this. Yeah, it was very the movie Sea of Love or yeah, something. This is right. <laughs> I am so tired of Judd Apatow. <laughs> what possessed any of this tweet besides being kind of racist? I mean, he could have killed them is so vague. (laughs) Rage and violence. He lost his mind. This was like, and this wasn't even the insane people who we're not even gonna address who were tweeting like like that like that um doctor who had that viral tweet where she was like, 
if it had been Betty White on stage that he'd slapped. <laughs> um, people love hypotheticals on the internet that have absolutely nothing to do with what actually just happened. But to suggest that that slap in that moment could have killed Chris Rock, that, you know, it was... It was King Kong marching up the Empire State Building to rip <laughs> Chris Rock apart was is wild. And it just it reminds me that like Judd Apatow always has weird energy for black men. You know, we've talked about it on Keep It like years ago, but like throughout the entire like Harvey Weinstein and like Woody Allen thing, it's like you of course get like a tweet from him or something, but he was like every day blogging about Bill Cosby. Mm. like mm. daily blogging to the point where it's like okay busy phillips came out and said that like james franco threw her to the ground on the set of your show freaks and geeks and you do nothing about it and you all sort of laughed it off when she talked about it in this panel but yet you're hopping on your phone every five seconds to talk about bill cosby it's just very weird uh and the fixation with Cosby in the height of like stuff going on with Woody Allen and Harvey Weinstein was just very like, okay, you're focused on like the black man who you're obsessed with right now. And then this tweet about Will Smith was like, I don't know. It felt like Joseph Conrad wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like what you were saying earlier um, in the show, it's like they're pretending like white on white violence doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we see it. We see, I, I, like I, I've seen it in front of me. I went to a Catholic school in middle school, and I would see white on white violence. I would see white on white slurs. I didn't even know existed. You know, Italians yes. with slurs for Greeks, and Greeks with slurs for Pol. I like, oh shit, this is a whole new world of slurs for me. I um, did not learn WAP until I went to an all white school. Okay, and mm-hmm. my Catholic all boys high school had so like people calling like Italian students like that, and I was like, what is happening here? Yeah. Yeah. And so white on white balance is a thing. And so these people getting on, you know, getting on Kyrie's Irving's internet to act all Pollyanna about all this <laughs> shit. It just it just is not it's not yeah, it's like again, why are you doing this? Why 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 are you pretending? Why are you perpetrating right now when we know that this isn't this is I mean, if you're a comedian, you know, Apatow grow up grows up going to these comedy clubs i'm sure he's seen fights i'm sure he's seen people get smacked on stage before i mean he, he's definitely he's probably been smacked like you don't come up through that world of stand-up and you know all these men being like hyper competitive and you know for 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 spots and for maybe mm. movies and all that and not see these sorts of physical altercations maybe they don't lead to like actual like injury or or death but he has seen fights as an adult before. He has seen people fighting on stage before. You cannot grow up in that world and not see that. Hey, pet parents. Are you searching for the perfect place for your dog to play? Check out Camp Bow Wow. Our safe and supervised doggy daycare and boarding ensures your pup gets the socialization they crave while giving you peace of mind. With our certified staff and clean and spacious facilities, your dog will have a blast making friends and staying active. Join the Camp Bow Wow Pack today. Your first day is free. Visit us at CampBowWow.com. Franchise opportunities available. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. 
Lewis. Yes. When you see footprints in the sand, that was when I carried you in my barefoot dreams rub. Now, is that a Leona Lewis song? <laughs> no? Uh, if you want to bring coziness into your life, you turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially now as the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite luxe home blanket. And while many have attempted to duplicate their blankets, robes, and more, Barefoot Dreams' fabrication and quality cannot be replicated, so don't believe the dupes. Girl, this blanket is it. I effing love this blanket. I'm thinking about it right now, and I want to jump in my bed, which is sponsored by something that we'll do another ad for momentarily. Get ready. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Jesus, get a life, Oprah. My God. (laughs) Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. Their products make the perfect gifts, too. Uh, I throw this thing on. I wear it like a shawl. I look exactly like Ellen Burstyn. And I am the coziest a human being can be. Because by the way, it's still that time in Los Angeles where it's like pretty mild outside and then your apartment is cold. I can't explain it. I don't know things like basic science. For Keep It listeners, you can get 15% off your first purchase at barefootdreams.com with the code KEEPIT15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR and how I live my life every day. Oh, I'm glad to bear witness to it. <laughs> Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of a struggle. It sounds like you at Coachella. I'm already tuned in. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire... Michelle Obama to reparations. There's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Black perspectives have always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Doesn't the black experience sound like a three-disc Prince album we never got? Someone check the vault, please. (laughs) Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode, it's keep it. And I got a little bone to pick with some of you bitches. Pick those oh. bones. I thought you were. I thought you were referring to me. No, I was I'm like, talking about our I'm, listeners. I'm right here. I'm, I'm on the show. I'm with calling you. our listeners you bitches. Oh, okay. <laughs> but only the ones who felt the need to try and DM me or tag me and be like, um, I guess I was just gonna flirt with Alexander Skarsgård this whole interview, huh? I guess you. I want to say he started it. all right from the jump i brought up running into him at the 2016 uh like um mtv movie awards and he was like oh the one he was like was i wearing any pants then that's when i presented without pants and i'm like sir (laughs) what are you and yet you didn't bring up passing so you're dead to me yeah you know what i actually forgot to bring up i forgot to bring up the story about him um 
almost hitting uh, Greta Thunberg with his bike. <laughs> Which is what? Uh, Norseman on Norseman crime. Yeah, just, yeah. just biking and almost ran into her because, you know, I mean, you know, they all be hanging out. The Viking Vikings. Oh, no. Mm. They all be hanging out, you know, like uh, like in Smurf land or whatever. Are, mm-hmm. are the Smurfs, right. are the Smurfs like um, Belgian? Scandinavian, they're, 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 for sure. Yeah, they're not Scandinavian. They're Belgian. Blue yes, from the uh-huh. lack of sun. Why do you know yeah. that? Uh, I, mean, I ask that about most things I know. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> Belgian, just like their cousin Tintin. You're telling the truth? You're not joking? Yeah, they're Belgian. Okay. <laughs> I will say there is there, the one thing I love. Um, well, before they started to have, before they started to sell them in the U.S., the one thing I loved about like going over to Europe all the time was seeing like the Smurf Harry Bow. You would only see What's the, that? You, the like candy? the Harry Bow, like the Harry Bow gummy bears. Like, oh, the right, right, right. Like they're, uh-huh. they're, they would, you would only used to see the Smurf ones like in Europe. Um, but now they sell them here in like specialty stores. But they have <laughs> so many different flavors of Harry Bow gummies in Europe. It is. <sighs> Be- beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh, okay. It's beautiful. We can talk about okay. the implications of Gargamel as a character some other time. Anyway, well, Gar- what's well, your Gar- keep it? Gargamel lost the election in France. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Uh, Louis, we're going to start with your keep it first. I think Aida has to go last this week. That's true. That's okay. true. Okay. Um, my keep it is Twitter related, and I have the feeling uh, the conversation won't end about Twitter after I'm done with my keeper, but <laughs> it's regarding a, a, a conversation about Steve Martin's famous King Tut sketch from late seventies SNL, mm, which very I believe relevant. some Gen Z are. Yes. Right. Right. Uh, Tip of everybody's tongue. Everybody <laughs> wants that Lord Carnarvon, Howard Carter humor. Um, so, okay. I guess the deal is, People from Gen Z discovered this sketch and found it pretty hokey and unfunny. And at the time, it was basically a sensation. Like almost everything Steve Martin did, people were just fucking obsessed with it at the time. Here's the thing. Okay, they're right. It is not that funny. I mean, I just, it's, it's him dancing like King Tut and pointing around and being silly. I get that it's like not laden with brilliant humor. But at the same time, if you're going to post that clip, you also have to post, first of all, the introduction to the clip, which he begins in a very, kind of serious, earnest way that leads into the silliness. So there's like a little bit of a preamble. Secondly, you have to understand at the time, the news cycle around King Tut was basically unthinkably sensational. We would not have anything like this now. This There was this tour of this museum exhibit where King Tut's remains were shipped everywhere and people were obsessed with it. They couldn't believe they got to like experience ancient Egypt at all, let alone King Tut. Mm-hmm. And so to be really irreverent about this kind of solemnly amazing moment was, I think, really novel to people at the time. And also, I think what Steve Martin once was in the comedy world is kind of lost to current audiences. We know him as like a lightly sarcastic, relatable dad type. But at the time, he was so goofy in an unexpected way. He's like a former like Six Flags banjo performer or something, Disneyland (laughs) banjo performer. And people were just blown away at his 
kind of mix of silliness and like fun self-absorption. So I think you had to be also wrapped up in who he was at the time. Anyway. Wrapped up. Yeah, it's wrapped up. <laughs> now he's just Selena Gomez's co-star. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> By the way, a lot of people keep saying about her, they're like, oh, she's going to get that nomination this year. I'm like, guys, are you sure? I never even think about her on that show, but moving on. I told um, you that I prefer her comedy stylings and acting, and I think she's actually like really fucking funny, like on Was This a Waverly Place? They actually didn't give her anything to do in season one of Only Murders in the Building, and I hope that changes yeah. with season two. There's plenty about 70s SNL that does not hold up. And I hope this leads to further conversations about the fucking Blues Brothers or the fucking bee costumes that are not funny at all. Or the even samurai. When Gilda Re- yeah. What? The samurai is just somebody being loud? It's mm-hmm. so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would I would say samurai delicatessen. <laughs> look them all up. Yeah. It's wild that you reminded me of like how um, King Tut had a chokehold on yeah. us when we were young maybe you missed some of this aida um but i, I feel did like- i did miss, miss it but i did recently also discover the bangles song walk like an Egyptian. <laughs> was like what were y'all got what were y'all doing yeah. <laughs> like, what was going on that you needed that dance mm, maybe this is maybe this maybe this is like anti-blackness um but like i feel like in the 90s uh specifically like when kids were learning about black kids were learning about king tut and the egyptians and shit mm-hmm. you know like everyone like was like you know like oh are we all descended from like king tut and the egyptians and everyone sort of wanted to claim like an ancestry as like egyptian um rather than like anywhere else in africa you know i did a whole mm. book yeah. report. i did a whole school report in third grade uh about being from Egypt. Third grade? <laughs> Good because, guess. Because like our teacher, <laughs> our teacher had everyone do like a report on their heritage and people doing reports on like Vikings, you know, and, like the Scandinavians and, you know, like Germany, but somehow leaving out the Nazi shit. Mm. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I, I came, you know, from the pyramids. <laughs> I was like, there. I, I was working in the field. I don't think so, Marshall. <laughs> no. <laughs> no one called me out on it. <laughs> well here i am now consider you called okay uh that was before 23 and me lewis okay black people just did not know that's true okay that's true either that was the beginning you were descended from a slave american or mm-hmm. the actual pharaoh <laughs> so you sound like a real historian right now <laughs> clear that up for everybody egyptology kid uh, <laughs> birds watch you. out <laughs> uh, All right, Ira, what's your keep it? My keep it this week goes to Christine Quinn on Selling Sunset. Now, well, that's a TV mm-hmm. show. Christine, Selling Sunset is back. Uh, it's everyone's favorite Netflix show where absolutely nothing happens. Uh, but uh, these blonde women are so... Uh, captivating and so funny unintentionally and sometimes funny intentionally um you know we, we've had the lovely chriselle on the show um unfortunately um i do have to fast forward most of her scenes this season um because she is um rubbing um 
the head of Jason, one of the um, owners. Yeah, we are one of the owners of the Oppenheim groups. Um, head a bit too much. They're dating this season, but we also already know that they've already broken up uh, in real life. Mm. So watching that's so annoying. I, I know. Reality show knowing what, what will happen. The that's so annoying. Actual reality. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, it's like okay, like <laughs> Netflix. I don't need all this. Keep it moving. Um, but let me tell you something about Christine Quinn. She is the purported villain of the show. You know, like, everyone's always talking about how, like, she's so fashionable. She should be on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like, just because, like, she's basically a bitch to everybody. And she is an awful television villain, and I need people Mm. to know that she is awful as a TV villain. First of all, the fashions aren't that great. She just wears labels. She just walks around in labels mm-hmm. and like designer bags and like there's no rhyme or reason to what she's wearing. So like the the styling isn't even there. Like it's just it's it's sort of like worse than like when Erica Jane used to walk around like looking like a um you know, looking like a Barbie um that fell like off a Mattel truck, you know? So like this <laughs> is really bad fashion and it's also she really is just like a miserable, rude person to everyone that she works with. And the problem with that is this isn't Bravo. Like you're not going toe to toe with like Kenya Moore, Nene Leakes, you know, like you're not fighting with Erica Jane, you know, and Lisa Rinna. Like you, the, like these women are, are timid and like sweet and like don't want that kind of confrontation. Like if you call someone a mm. bitch, they're not going to, give you that they're not going to keep they're not going to keep that same energy and this is season five of the show and at Mm -hmm. this point if you're going to be the villain of the show um you got to switch up the energy because what's actually happened is like nobody wants to film with her ass and so like Mm -hmm. you're just on an island um and so you're not actually villainizing anybody you're just sort of making people uncomfortable and when she does make people uncomfortable she just sort of like makes up stories and like tries to be a victim and cries about it and like well like she flees an event this season because people are sort of like ruining her work event quote unquote ruining her work event okay this event that's being taped for tv it was in a real work event girl uh and she's like goes downstairs she's crying and she's like uh i just felt like i wish like you could all be professional i'm like okay it's not professional like selling stories about um your co-workers to the tabloids either girl so which is it are you going to be a villain Yes. Or are you going to be a victim? That's the part that's always lost on me is where's Oppenheimer HR? <laughs> Where <are> they at? <laughs> because, because these are your coworkers. These are the people you're supposed to be making money with. Sometimes against. I mean, they are real estate agents, but it's like you guys work together. You can't burn all these bridges all the way down. Right. And then they talk about getting rid of or firing her. I'm like, okay, there's plenty of people on the show who have not even sold a damn house in five seasons. So Mm-mm-mm-mm. what are we doing here? I Not do want office space. I do want to say I'm obsessed with the new girl on the show, the first black girl, Chelsea, uh, who is British Nigerian. Um, her accent is giving Anna Delvey. Oh, we love that. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> so there's some Bjork in it too. Uh, so to, I, I, I the money is that, coming. Uh, the wire is coming. I promise. I promise. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, we never talked about that show, but what an awful TV show. Anyway, Aida, what's your <laughs> keep? <laughs> okay, guys, this is a this is perfect for a potentially final keep it because Twitter is my home, my breeding grounds, and where I handle all my dirtiest work. And I will now be I back. Feel like I, 
And you will be back because free speech is up. Mr. Yes, Daddy Musk okay. is going to free you. All right. Me, me and the free thinkers <laughs> will yes. be returning to the app. Okay. Alas, democracy. I've been having a lot of fun on the truth app, but it's time to come back. <laughs> that's, so that's my that's my keep it uh, my keep it is the Twitter being bought by Elon Musk so we off Twitter we it's not tweeting this is no a solid keep it yeah it is Elon Musk bought Twitter on Monday for forty four billion dollars which might seem like a lot of money but remember Tesla is worth a trillion dollars and SpaceX is worth a hundred billion so this is still kind of chump change and for I him. owe Sally Mae six hundred billion so <laughs> right. And they will never be getting it. <laughs> they sure won't. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not prepared for a world where Elon Musk owns the place where I make pussy jokes. Okay, I'm not prepared for a world where Grimes is going to consolidate all of our Twitter typos and name her next alien baby. Like that, no, you don't get that for free, honey. You don't get that for free. I'm, I don't want to live there. In buying Twitter, so Elon's been so critical of Twitter in the past, even though that little hoe can't stay off it. He can't stay off it. He said... Let me find this quote. He said, free speech is the bedrock of democracy and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. Mm. Uh, it better not be. Right. What matters uh, are those? Nicki Minaj's, those? Nicki Minaj's <laughs> verse on bedrock is the bedrock of our community. First <laughs> of all. Of Put that <laughs> pussy on his sideburns. Okay. <laughs> Coming exactly. off the top That's what we talk Exactly. <laughs> what do we talk about on Twitter? We talk about Caliuchis in a Mugler suit. Do we like it? Sean Mendez. Oh, he's sad now. Are we okay with that? <laughs> Those videos. You guys keep calling Sydney Sweeney ugly on Twitter. Leave that girl alone. That's what we talk about on Twitter. Nobody's opinions are being changed on that app. This is not fucking Athens. It's social media. Like the way, the way Elon Musk and People of the, like the free speech libertarian, like we make money and that's all we do. Hyper capitalists. They think that the internet is a world where like actual dialogue can happen, insightful dialogue. Girl, nothing is happening on Twitter. Nothing is happening on Twitter like that. Also, can I just say I'm a lot of people have been dragging old Elon Musk tweets that are like bad jokes, whatever. And it just hurts the soul to realize that someone that fucking powerful is still obsessed with being funny. Like it's, it's yes. like, so like, it's not your job. And yet it's, there's something about being like a straight man and people being like wrapped up and how, how funny they think you are. That's like super attractive. It just, it, it's like sad to me. It's like, mm -hmm. you, you, you need this weird validation and that's a part of your obsession with Twitter. Cause by the way, historically Elon Musk has said things like if, if the UN outlines a world or a, a a plan to end world hunger that costs this amount of money, I'll pay for it. And they did it. And then he went and not, and then didn't pay didn't for, pay it. for then, it. And then went and bought Twitter instead. So he's just this weird juvenile, you know, Marvin the Martian type, uh, wildy <laughs> coyote asshole who could be doing a lot more with the money he's, and in fact has threatened to do a lot more with the money he has and is instead just buying Twitter. But I just want to say about Twitter in general that Aida, does fabulous work on it. And I know we think of her as like, you know, uh, shall we say a, 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 an envelope pushing, you know, vulgar comedian. But there's a tweet of hers that I want to read here <laughs> that I think puts into perspective, you know, the soul of Aida. I hope we can enjoy it together. I'm shaking in my little boots. Here we go. You got to pinch the clit and suck it like a blunt roach. That's so yes, nice. <laughs> so Sex education. I'm putting it on a pillow. I'm laying down on it. 
<laughs> you thought I was going to give you an inspirational Aida quote? Come on. You know, I, thought, I really have thought over, I was like, over time I'll age and mature into like a poetic understanding of self that will translate to my Twitter. But it's still just shit like that. And I'm going to be 20. I'm going to be 25 in July. <laughs> okay. It's not going away. Um, also, I just want to say that Aida is also the queen of lowercase Twitter. There's there's something about like the way people abuse lowercase that yeah. I can find over, over overdone, but I, it's you speak in lowercase in a way. It's like very it works. it's very E. Yeah. e. Cummings of me. Emphasis on the Cummings. Go, baby. <laughs> What's wrong with her? I don't know. I'm, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It's this weird breed of like smart but stupid, right? Can we agree? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then lastly, lastly, I just want to say I don't I don't know what his impetus for doing this is, and that's what scares me is because like Twitter is not a very profitable place as an app. There's only 400 million people on Twitter. And and 200 of them are Russian bots. So I don't know what he's going to accomplish. He wants to clean that out and make this a safe space for us. And my just, I don't, I, I fear, I fear that people like Donald Trump and Ira will be invited back onto the app. And that is not a world we need. It's so, truly not. Listen, I, mean, right. I, I give in to the joke uh, about like returning back to Twitter, but like my life has been great since I love Twitter. I want to go back. Political chaos, Ira. You, I you actually, are I na- like somebody did, who should not be on. Yeah, the app. I, I actually did cause political misinformation. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I'm allowed to come back, what's next? Right. My heart goes out to the employees of Twitter that have now worked for Jack Dorsey and Elon Musk. You are a statesman. You are a patriot. <laughs> and I feel for you. Um, I want to close this out with um, two of my favorite Aida quotes on Twitter. Oh, there we go. God, guys, uh, why are we doing this? I'm trying to At this <laughs> point, I think Kevin Hart just wants dick. <laughs> what? Aida <laughs> shocked at her own tweet. Gasping. And my my absolute favorite. Don't burp after you suck dick and then swallow. That's why we got ghosts. Okay, I, it's, it feels kind of ghost for me to be laughing, but I really dissociate. I tweet it, and I, I don't know who did it. That really is just an who astounding that? tweet. That's the why we got ghosts. The amount of friends who sent me that tweet. I, the, to find my uh, favorite Aida tweets, all I had to do was go into iMessage and search Aida. Because people always send me your tweets. I love that. I love that. Uh, well, oh guys, we did it. We did our final uh, keep it together. Watch me be like, can I guess co-host next week? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, listen, also, you d- you really have, like, made your mark on this show. Uh, we're really going to miss you. And um, we're also letting our listeners know we're, we're not doing the um, guest host merry-go-round. Sweepstakes. Sweepstakes yeah. anymore. <laughs> you know, keep it. We'll just become... Keep it with Ira and Lewis um, after this. Uh, how could we Aww. possibly replace you? Uh, Stop. We, Stop. Sincerely, yeah. it, it would feel contrived. You are uh, one of a kind and radical. And also, the amount of questions I get about you just from people on the street being like, what's up with her? And, I'm, and the answer is always everything. And it's a thrill <laughs> that everything, everything is happening to you. everywhere, all at once. <laughs> all at once. <laughs> everything, everywhere, I need it at once. I'm the third Daniel. I need it, Daniel. The third Daniel. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. This has been a blast and amazing. I want to say two something years of my life and 
I love you dearly. I will support your career and be around for every moment of it. And just thank you. And also, Rap Shit premieres. I have to plug now. I have to be one of those girls. Hey. Rap Shit <laughs> premieres in July. And, of course, you, you guys hopefully will be at the premiere right there with me. So we'll see. Duh. We'll Listen, see. If, if, if there's one thing I associate with Rap Shit, it's Louis Fertel. Yes, oh, exactly. Okay. You're rapping the shit. <laughs> you know my favorite rapper is Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> I got a lawyer and a manager, an agent and a chef. And a, and a chef. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. As usual, it is Keep It Lewis. What's yours? Well, mine's exciting because I'm saying keep it to both sides of an argument. So <laughs> I, I'm not here to make friends, etc. Um, You're Coral. Keep it goes to, yeah, yes, I'm just like Coral. Yes, I'm going to teach everybody about Marcus Garvey this episode. Um, uh, my keep it to begin with is the promo pictures for Bradley Cooper in the Leonard Bernstein biopic Maestro. Okay. I mean, they dialed them up to look like Leonard Bernstein later in life. And it's giving Rick Baker. It's giving uh, <laughs> Undercover Boss. It's giving. <laughs> it's, it's so it's just it's just hilarious how much biopic promo picks follow a pattern. The can you believe an actor is doing this? Can you believe his nose looks different now? You know, I guess Monster with Charlie's there and is the classic example, but you know, uh Jessica Chastain is Tammy Faye, Renee Zellweger is Judy Garland. There's a we special thing though, picks. where they have it's men a- and they cake them up like they're Mrs. Doubtfire. Like Leo yes, in, right. in Leo in um J. Edgar. Totally. No, I I want to emphasize there is a Mrs. Doubtfire quality about the makeup here, too, which just adds to the LOL. Why are we doing this factor? But also, I do want to say keep it to people who are cynical about biopics. I mean, I like I, I feel like on Twitter all the time I see people being like, oh, look, he's wearing all this makeup and now people are clamoring for him to get an Oscar and getting an Oscar should be more about just a physical resemblance. Honestly, when I saw the movie Judy with Renee Zellweger, I, I mean, I think literally she was my keep it beforehand. And then I saw it and I, I thought she should win the fucking Oscar. It's an electric performance. So I think it's fair to be cynical about the promotion of biopics, but I don't think it's fair to be dismissive of the of what a biopic can bring quality wise. Like, look, this may be interesting. I'm sure there's a lot most people don't know about Leonard Bernstein. I'm happy the information is going to be out there. I'm happy people are going to be probably reabsorbing his entire career, especially in the wake of, you know, someone like Stephen Sondheim's death. The re- uh, people appreciating West Side Story again has been nothing but awesome to me. But um, I will offer to that, you know, like for an actor being under that much makeup, it's probably a bit freeing to give like an electric performance. You know, it's a bit, you know, like um, like the Italians, you know, when they would um, don a mask for the Commedia dell'arte. <laughs> a pantalona, yes. Uh, I can tell you come from the theater. Yeah. Uda Hagen over here. Yeah. Worst of the prosthetics for Maestro. I just want to say that in the trailer for Elvis, you see Tom Hanks playing Colonel Tom Parker, who's Elvis's manager. And the prosthetics that they have on Tom Hanks are what really should be um, sending somebody to the gulag. 
By the way, I am worried about that performance. I normally don't think of Tom Hanks as unhinged or out of control or living the protagonist's life from the Christina Aguilera song, Not Myself Tonight. But it seems he is doing just that in this movie. <laughs> what, are you saying that Baz Luhrmann doesn't often churn out actors' best performances? <laughs> I know, it seems wild, but... Uh, all right, my keep it this week goes to um, Stranger Things. I'm always surprised when Stranger Things comes out that everybody has kept up on it and they are fucking thrilled for it. Not I that am. it's bad or anything, but it's everybody's favorite show secretly. I, I feel like because of the time that elapses between each season, like it's easy for like it to be dormant. Like people don't go crazy about it um, all the time. Um, but when it comes back, you're reminded that like your favorite thing is on. I fucking love Stranger Things, to be honest. Uh -huh. I think it's great. Uh, it's weird that it's it's weird that it's one of the final um, shows of the like earlier Netflix streaming era before they canceled everything. Right in the Grace and Frankie category. Yeah. Yes. Um, but my specific keep it isn't to the show. Um, season four is starting out um, pretty well so far. I'm not done with it yet. But um, there's a musical moment in in episode four that you know everybody is talking about, um, and it involves Kate Bush's iconic song um, "Running Up That Hill," a deal with God. And I just want to say. Congrats to Kate Bush, you know, congrats, you know, to Stranger Things for running up those sales um, for this song. <laughs> but <laughs> those sales, my God, she has other songs. And I'm not oh, just God, yes. saying keep it to Stranger Things. This is to Pose, which which did yep. this only like three years ago um, with like, I think it was in the premiere of Pose. Um, it was it was very much in um, the romance between um, Evan Peters and India Moore. Um, it used the exact same song. And I'm like, if you were a music supervisor doing a show in the 80s, I implore you to listen to anything else in Kate Bush's discography. Yeah, it is kind of like if they used Madonna in TV shows, but only Material Girl. You know, like only th the song you definitely remember of hers from that time. I'm like, can we get some love for Hounds of Love? Oh, please. Oh, Cloud Busting. Oh, what a beautiful song. And she produced that whole album herself. Kate Bush. This woman's I, work. I, 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 this woman's work. Yes. Uh, uh, Maxwell Inspo, Kate Bush. Uh, no, it, it, it must be said about Kate Bush. She really is one of these people. First of all, nobody has more, nobody has inspired more people. You can go right down the line. It's like Tori Amos. It's PJ Harvey. It's, big boy. Uh, yeah. Big, big boy. Yes. Big boy. Obsessive uh, Kate Bush fan. Um, and her, 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 her legacy speaks for itself. But, and I want people to discover her music. And this song is fabulous. And there's a recent cover by somebody named Meg Myers. I really enjoy running up that hill too. But uh, you're right. I hope people do the homework. I hope they discover more of what she's done. But once upon a time, all you heard about Kate Bush was Wuthering Heights. I feel mm -hmm. like people would bring that up in a gag because her vocal on that is so um, iconically strange and um, shocking and pixie-like. It's a loving... Babushka we love. <laughs> yes. It's a loving keep it only because I feel like this brought out of the woodwork to a lot of black Kate Bush stands. Um, mm -hmm. because we exist. Um, but 
I feel like what's always lost in the conversation is like to be a Kate Bush stand means that like you understand how weird she is. And I feel yeah. like running up that hill is like such a conventional song in so many ways that um, you can become obsessed with it, but not obsessed with just how like weird Kate Bush is as an artist. Yes, I Kate Bush is as brilliant as an artist can be while also seeming 100 percent like a Christopher Guest character. She's just Janet from another the, planet. OK, she is. Keeping, yes. She is holding you hostage <laughs> in a hole in a basement. <laughs> all summer <laughs> just a weirdo peering into the camera uh you know sustained strange eye contact very parker posey yeah um i need to i need to visit some classic like kate bush interviews i'm sure you have a oh, favorite yeah. one um well sh- she didn't give a ton of interviews she went on press tours for her albums at the time but she, then she became a bit of a recluse thereafter a woman um, in the after- window if you will yeah <laughs> That's right. Um, I love Big Sky by Kate Bush. I love uh, the entire album, The Dreaming, or uh, uh, Sensual World, great album. Anyway, not she's uh, wonderful, and, uh, and and no one sounds like her. No, no, like there's something about the voice that is only her, and you you can't you don't replicate that by getting you know whatever comes up on the allmusic.com list of artists like her. You know, it's only Kate Bush. Lastly, I want to say that uh, all the talk about Kate Bush. Um led me to one of the funniest tweets that someone sent me this week. And it was um, from um, Zach Budrick, um, a reporter at The Hill. And he tweeted, um, seeing a lot of people on here praising Kate Bush who were condemning her husband, George, just last week. (laughs) 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 And it's even funnier because of the, the, like, earnest responses. No, they actually aren't married. American politician and former President George Bush and British rave Kate Bush. I want to see that first lady series, though. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just just an imagined fantasy. It's just Kate Bush married to George Bush. I'd watch it. Also, speaking of that, you know who could play Kate Bush kind of now? I already brought her up this episode. She in the 80s looked exactly like mary steenburgen so anyway they should collab okay you're really pushing the uh steenburgenda this week yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're a ted yes right you know what i'm not i mean talk about the number one couple to stand sorry ed harris and amy madigan Hey, pet parents, are you searching for the perfect place for your dog to play? Check out Camp Bow Wow. Our safe and supervised doggy daycare and boarding ensures your pup gets the socialization they crave while giving you peace of mind. With our certified staff and clean and spacious facilities, your dog will have a blast making friends and staying active. Join the Camp Bow Wow pack today. Your first day is free. Visit us at CampBowWow.com. Franchise opportunities available. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com.
Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It. Lewis, what's yours? This is a Keep It. It it, it is pop cultural, but it has sucked me away from all other pop culture. And I resent this thing for existing because it's doing exactly what it's set out to do. My Keep It is to Pluto TV. Uh, I've brought this up in the context of Pluto TV having a a 24-hour-a-day Jeopardy uh, channel Mm -hmm. where you can just watch Jeopardy all day. But truly... It's just a service that sucks you in and it's the ultimate binge viewing experience in that anything you want to see, you can get an unlimited supply of it on Pluto TV. Type in PlutoTV.com into your browser right now. Get the app, whatever. It's very, it's free, whatever. This, this is not SpawnCon for Pluto TV. I'm simply saying once you start, the course of your life is forever altered. There's a, a, a buzzer, which is a, 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 a general game show network is on Pluto TV. I have seen so many old episodes of classic concentration recently. And I just want to say that matching prizes on a board should not be that compelling. And yet I cannot tear myself away. I cannot stop solving rebuses of phrases like don't give up the ship or whatever. And I yet after this taping of this podcast, I will go back to it. I can just watch it anytime during the day. You can procrastinate with with Pluto TV. There's an entire American Gladiators channel. And then I get lost in a like loop where I'm looking up the champions from American Gladiators, a show I've already brought up today in regards it to the looks of Chris Pine. And I find out, you know, which contestants died tragically. One was murdered. Uh, it's just a lot of pop cultural information that I don't have anything to do with. Like I don't get to come on, keep it and then talk about, guess what I did for the past eight hours pop culturally that I can share with you. Nothing because I'm lost in a loop that Pluto TV has provided. So anyway, it's keeping me extremely useless recently, even though it is wildly entertaining. We're going to get investigated by the SEC. Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) I, I need to see the back channels where Pluto TV is paying you. I know it seems it, it seems like they own my ass and I'm just shocked. I I I'm shocked that it something like this only exists now. It feels like something that would have come out 10 years ago, you know, cuz there's all these old TV shows lying around waiting to be, you know. We we used to wait for these shows to be on DVD, but in particular with something like game shows, you would never buy something like that on DVD. So this is a really appropriate forum for it. Do you think Pluto TV has all of Welcome Back Cotter? I mean, there's tons of, sh- I mean, there's constantly commercials for like the Mary Tyler Moore show and things like that. So I have the feeling, you know. Because I've like been, I've uh, been in a Welcome Back Cotter mood lately. Uh, somebody else is very obsessed. Oh, no. Jimmy Kimmel obsessed with uh, Welcome Back Cotter comes up a lot. Oh, well, you know, me and Jimmy go way back. Yeah, that's right. You, <laughs> Jimmy, and Vinny, Vinny Barbarino. <laughs> the Sweat Hogs. I couldn't think of their name. That's that. All right. My keep it this week. <laughs> goes to 
Jamila Jamil. Oh, it, it, it's the first time we've ever had a problem with her. So that's really crazy. <laughs> it is. It's been a while. You know? Right. Um, she's honestly left us without a dope take to step to. Um, and <laughs> here she is um, responding in typical Jamila fashion to a internet joke. The joke, of course, is that Leah Michelle cannot read. And it's a long-standing joke. It's 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 like a folktale at this point. You know, it's like our Paul Bunyan. We've passed it down. It's funny because it started from someone just being. I've I've read the like history of it once before, and it's like someone literally just made a j- joke online once that Leah Michelle can't read, and the way it took off is it's just fascinating to me and of course it kept circling back um after all the stuff came out about her being um a bitch to people on the set of glee like sort of like being kind of racist too uh and so people started making the reading jokes again as a way you know to you know respond to you know the the awful stuff that was coming out about her um mm-hmm. it's a joke I don't think any of us actually genuinely believes that this woman cannot read. But I do want to say that every opportunity she's been given to prove that she can read, she has not done it. And all you have to no. do is all you have to do is say you can read, girl. But the New York Times <laughs> did a profile of her um to coincide with the um her funny girl debut which is happening the night that we were tonight as we're recording today um her response is i think it's sad i think it's sad that people would say i can't read i showed up to set every day i knew my lines did you read them (laughs) i didn't ask if you knew the lines i've seen you say the lines i know they came out of your mouth i know that's not adr by somebody else I'm talking about the reading. Can you read the lines? And then she also accused it of being sexist. I don't think anyone would say this about a man. <laughs> no. Meanwhile, people make jokes about men. Come on now. There are plenty of men I don't think can read, baby. Aaron Taylor Johnson, for one. <laughs> <laughs> I saw nocturnal animals. I know he was given those. Uh, he learned those lines phonetically. I can tell. <laughs> um, but in all of that, Jamila jumped in to defend her, and <laughs> somehow Jamila manages to be completely annoying in her defense of Leah Michelle, but also incredibly rude to Leah Michelle at the same time. Her, Jamila put on Instagram, um, not a voice note, by the way, so I'm not sure how Leah's even going to read this, but (laughs) she wrote, I see a lot of people claiming a certain actress can't read and then laughing at her. Whatever your issue is with someone, and I don't know this woman or anything about her, but laughing at the idea of anyone not being able to read makes you look like a prick. An elitist, ableist bore. It's embarrassing for you, not them. Ma'am, in your defense of Leah Michelle, did you have to say, I'm sorry to this girl, I don't know who you are? <laughs> also, a certain actress, can you just say her name? Like, the, I don't know what's anything the point of about the anonymity? them. <laughs> <laughs> 
And maybe you should read up. <laughs> Which begs the question, why are you so compelled to make an Instagram post about a woman you don't even know? Oh, my God. Also, if I'm Leah Michelle and my assistant, whatever, sends me a text and she's like, oh, something's coming over the transom. Jamila Jamil is here to defend you. Guess what I'm doing? Quitting funny girl and also show business. I'm moving to a cave. Uh, I'm moving to South Dakota. I mean, that was one of the funniest lines in the Gossip Girl reboot. Maybe the only funny line. Um, It gets worse. Jamila Jamil just defended you. Uh, Also, to imply that it's ableist to make a joke about a celebrity not being able to read is... The wildest take I've ever heard. It's just it, it's just like the time we decided that Millie Bobby Brown was like a huge homophobe <laughs> based on nothing. <laughs> And there would be memes of her like holding a coffee cup and saying, off I go to pour this on a faggot. Like just we made that up. It's based on nothing. I understand if you're Millie Bobby Brown herself, it's probably uncomfortable as a very, very young person to hear people making jokes of this nature. Maybe that one in the online universe. But at the same time, it is just a joke. It's not based on anything. Nobody's like this colors my actual interpretation of who Millie Bobby Brown is. And that one, by the way, I could see someone getting angry at. This, yeah. I mean, it's is, like this has is the innocuous. F word in all of her, all of the jokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on. But again, as I saw several times, Leah Michelle could just do a funny Instagram post where she's reading a book and it's upside down. And she's like, look at me enjoying this book. Listen, Whatever. Pizza Hut is just waiting to partner with her to relaunch Book It. Okay. So. <laughs> oh, my God. A personal pan pizza with like Leah Michelle faces on the pepperonis. That's what I want. <laughs> Well, that's our episode. And that's the best of our hot takes. So if you didn't like any of those, woof, it's been a tough 2022 for us then. We learned a lot about each other this year. Yes. And I've forgotten so much of it, which is a relief. <laughs> I actually, when I, I was thinking about that last week with um, Natasha Legero, mm-hmm. where she was talking about how, you know, like, if someone went back and like compiled like her worst things from Chelsea lately, right? I'm like, I don't even remember what I say on this podcast when we're done recording, let alone what we said in 2018. Right. Uh, yeah. No, imagine remembering the, the jokes you made about Honey Boo Boo once upon a time <laughs> or the jokes you made about whatever, Lindsay Lohan, et cetera. We were unhinged, let alone, yeah, just what I said yesterday to you as I was signing on or whatever. But I will say that um, too many people like during the pandemic and lately now will like go back and listen to our show from the beginning. So if we said anything really awful, I feel like it already be curtains for us. That's that's that is true. Also, I don't know if you know this about podcasts, but they're edited. And so it's somebody's job to be like, why don't we keep these fucking losers on the rail? And uh, why don't we keep these fucking losers on the rails? And also the lights on in this building. So <laughs> one day we should release our our keep it demos. As in like my tryout? Yeah. The, the first thing we ever did. One thing I remember from that is. Uh, my keep it at the time was the new murder on the Orient Express. And I had a really good 
rant about that. In fact, I think I've maybe talked about that movie more than any other human being has talked about it at this point. So I must be really confident in my take. I mean, listen, you talk about Murder on the Orient Express. You talk about Death on the Nile. Yep. You talk about Last of Sheila. Uh, and you talk about Clue. Right. If there's a bunch of fancy people um, pointing fingers on a boat or in a fancy house, I'm there. Well, keep it. A Knives Out mystery. Have you seen Glass <laughs> Onion yet? I haven't fucking seen that movie yet, and I'm angry uh, okay, about it. Okay, that's really upsetting, because let me tell you, half my Instagram feed has, and they are, shall we say, not the intelligentsia. You know what I'm saying? So, like, Listen, how did they get in there? I, I, I feel the same. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I keep seeing a new person at a screening of Glass Onion, and I'm like, "Cool, another person to add to my hit list." Yeah. No. I, I, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like a Baker Street regular. I should be if there, if there's a, a a murder mystery party, I should be there. But, but it's you, somehow there was like some invite that got out to everybody and people who aren't involved in the biz, which is what the one we're in, uh, have gotten to see it. Let me tell you something. The movie moved from Lionsgate to Netflix, and this is just making me think that Netflix hates us. So, Netflix, mm. I've done enough for you for five years, but now you're right. also on my hit list. I've logged into your weird um, artist account where you have screeners for me, and I get really confused and have to change my four-digit password. Just be nice to me. <laughs> uh, all right. We will be dark next week. As dark as Lewis's skin oh, and God. my soul. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, we're taking a break um, post-Thanksgiving. I'll be on vacation. So right, We'll have lots of tales to come back with. It'll be very around the world in 80 days. You'll, you'll really appreciate it. So we will see you back with an all-new episode of Keep It on December 7th. Happy Advent, everybody. Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. And our associate producer is Malcolm Whitfield. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III, that's me, and Louis Vertel. This episode was recorded and mixed by Evan Sutton. Thank you to our digital team, Matt DeGroote, Nar Malconian, and Delon Villanueva for production support every week. And as always, Keep It is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. Here you are, BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 